horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Glad to have you here. If you're listening live, thanks. Glad you are. If you're not, make sure you pick us up on the podcast. It'll be posted shortly after the show. And tell your friends if you liked it, they should listen to it. Two guests, both former riders in very different roles. Uh, the first is uh, Jeff Johnston. He's going to give us our annual uh, visit from the Jockeys Guild Assembly. Uh, they had some newly elected officers. Uh, it's uh, held out uh, in Las Vegas, I believe, so uh, not a bad place to have some meetings for sure. So we'll learn more about uh, any updates on the Guild and uh, to see what's uh, going on there, who the new officers are, and uh, what the lookout is for the future, and particularly some of the efforts that they're making on Jockey Health. Jeff is a regional director, and he is on top of all those things. Now, I don't know how old you are, but if you were watching the races back in 1985, there was a sensational filly by the name of Mom's Command who won what is known as the Triple Crown for Phillies that is called the Tierra. So uh, the Tierra was worn by a female jockey. Still back in 85, a little rare, uh, Abby Fuller, and uh, she went on to win the Triple Tier with Mom's Command. It was owned by her father. Uh, her father, of course, also owned Dancer's Image that uh, years before was disqualified from the Kentucky Derby for something that is now absolutely legal uh, in, in horse racing. It is a very uh, minute amount. Uh, my friend Milton Toby wrote a book about it, as a matter of fact, and all the legalities that went into uh, taking his number down far after he won. But Abigail, she has uh, transitioned uh, to... Uh, what could be called the racing ambassador of Gulfstream Park. She's in charge of uh, the Saturday morning breakfast, uh, the VIP tours. Uh, she uh, uh, does a little bit of everything. I think she can even be found in the information booth some days. And uh, But on her days off, she's uh, works at a place called Stable Place. Love this name. Uh, she's uh, on her way to becoming, or she may already be, an equine therapist. I believe she's working towards her uh, equine-assisted mental health credentials. And a very interesting story in working in that program. So when she's not around horses racing, She's around horses that are making people feel good. All right. Well, we hope we made you feel good with some of our selections last week with Ryan Martin from the fairgrounds. Uh, take a look at what you got if you pull down some of our easy win forms. But before we go on to last week's results, I want to thank our friends at Woodbine, the entertainment center up north of the border. That helps sponsor Winning Ponies. All right, last week, some of the nice hits from Easy Win. And uh, at Mahoning, it was just two days ago, a 50-cent super high five 
brought home 1,496. Let's continue our trek east at Mountaineer. We had a $1 pick five that paid $1,575. Keep going east, Parks Racing, and uh, this was just two days ago. A $1 super that paid $2,556. And you can go online, winningponies.com, and check out the updated results day to day. And you'll see that these are legitimate results coming off our easy win form. So be sure to pull them down. Racing gets tough this time of year. You got the, your end-of-the-year challenges, a lot of two-year-olds trying to break their maiden before they turn three, and then you've got the slowly but surely the, the three-year-olds coming back into form, and uh, then, of course, the older horses uh, that are at training centers will start gearing up for some of the big races, and in January, of course, we've got the uh, Pegasus Stakes down at Gulfstream, so we'll go on back down uh, to that area. Perhaps I get my friend Pete Aiello, the track announcer, to come out with us uh, prior to the Pegasus. But this week, I'm really looking forward to talking to Abigail Fuller. Well, let's take a look at some of the news of the week. One of the big races uh, that we're going to be looking at is called the Harlan's Holiday horse very close to my heart. I saw him win his first stakes race at River Downs. The Harlan's Holiday is a grade three going a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds and up. So I like a three-year-old in here and I think you'll know who he is and that is Audible who's returning to the graded stakes ranks. And you're probably saying, John, I I know I remember that name, Audible. Uh, Who was he? Well, remember earlier in the year, uh, came out and uh, uh, won four races in a row, including the grade two Holy Bull and the grade one Florida Derby. He was on the Derby trail uh, and ended up running third behind Justify and Good Magic. Now, uh, Todd Pletcher decided to give him a rest after that and didn't run from May until November. Came out, won his first race back. Javier Castellano will be in the saddle, and he is the prohibitive favorite. But all eyes will be on Audible in the Harlan's Holiday. Hopefully, Todd has him back 100%. Of course, he's already won his last start off the layoff. And... uh, Coming up on some other things that are happening, I, you can go on some of the websites. I know the Blood Horse has some really good drawings up there of what could uh, be happening to the new Pimlico. Uh, they are talking about uh, oh, $250 million going into it, but it's supposed to be just an absolute magnificent facility. And like I said, you can go up and look at some of the artist uh, renderings. But the whole idea is... Uh, They're going to have permanent buildings uh, for racing, but they're also going to have it built so that it's accessible to the public in that area. You could have kind of public outings in the infield. Uh, It could be for athletic competition, could be college or uh, high school. Uh, There's going to be outdoor concerts, you know, leisure type activities. So uh, they're going to Probably during the off season. Now, don't forget, this is going to be a couple of years, uh, but it'll probably open because they want to have it multi-use as they do uh, the clubhouse. So uh, they could have a racing history career center uh, with a museum and a cafe. Uh, and then you'll have your off-track betting sports book. There's going to be places for conferences, meetings, banquets, civil events. A lot of the tracks that are building a little bit bigger than they should be right now are using those type activities 
in their off racing season. And then there's a place called a Paleo that is designed to be able to host outdoor public concerts, performing arts, festivals, and markets. Of course, the only thing I know about Paleo is that amazing horse race they have over in Italy. Go ahead and Google that one. You'll, you'll see races like no other race. So, uh, you know, last year they only offered about two weeks. So there's a lot of talk about it getting just uh, torn down and the, the Preakness being moved. Uh, it may, in fact, have to be moved while this is being uh, constructed. So uh, it'll be very interesting. I guess as far as the aspects of the racing facility, there's going to be a dirt and turf track, um, a 516th mile. I'm sorry, 15 16th miles, so just short of a mile for the dirt track and seven furlongs for the turf course. So they're squeezing that in a little bit. Remember everybody talking about those big, wide, sweeping turns at Pimlico? Well, first of all, that was never really true. But second of all, they won't be saying that anymore. Uh they're going to have a new saddling paddock with a minimum of 14 saddling bays. Um, and then they're not really sure. They're still worried, uh, kind of figuring out where the jockey's room and the racing officials, trainer's lounge, and different food service. It could be temporary for a while, and then eventually they'll be built into the plan. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see if it is approved and the money put in and what the new Pimlico is going to look like. Because as you know, most people said it was a very much of an aging facility over the past few years. Now, I don't know about you, but I take CBD oil for a torn nerve in my shoulder that happened last year and cbd oil does not have thc in it although it is a derivative of the hemp plant well actually they're going to approve it um in the kentucky horse racing commission uh and uh, it has it has been classified i shouldn't say that but it has been classified as a b penalty which is kind of crazy because it doesn't do anything but help relax certain muscles and it brings anxiety down a little bit to different people are prescribed it for for different reasons so you know uh, uh, specifically for people that somehow are susceptible to seizures it helps that so certainly there'd be different ways you can market this for uses in a racehorse so uh, it might be one of those things where you can use it so much into your training but that it has to be out of the horse's uh, system in a certain number of days we'll see what happens down the road but it's interesting because the CBD oil has been in the headlines a lot and it is uh, totally legal in most states uh, let's take a look now at our race results from last week again I want to thank Ryan Martin it was fun having him on the show uh, young man that's uh, now in charge of the uh, publicity at the fairgrounds uh, we skipped around the card a little bit but it was louisiana champions day and the lassie well that was for the two-year-old fillies and there's no doubt about that ryan like midnight fantasy uh who was uh, sent away as the favorite and uh did not disappoint went wire to wire as odds on had only one start for joe sharp but this uh Louisiana bred son of Midnight Loot got the job done over Silver Sense. That's right, a daughter of Golden Sense, and Tis the Faith. Then we moved on to the eighth race, and the winner in there. Now they took it off the turf, so there were scratches, and uh, it was kind of a sloppy main track. Was Magic Vow, and gave trainer Tyron Benoit. His first stakes win. The horse got turned over to him after his last start. So congratulations 
to Tyron Benoit, if I'm pronouncing that right, the trainer of Magic Vow. Again, the sloppy track off the turf changed some things down at the fairgrounds for sure. Okay, in the Louisiana Champions Day sprint, it looked like Monte Mann surprisingly didn't go off at odds on. I thought it might. Uh, led most of the way. Looked like the winner. Don't forget, this is a horse that once he was claimed and moved to Louisiana, was undefeated in seven straight starts. Got the job done with Gabe Sayez in the saddle. Got the job done if you like horses to hit the board. That's right. Upset time. It was give me a minute. The other horse I like that had a lot of graded experience for Dallas Stewart that won over Divine Bean, the second choice. So Monte Mann, who might have been crowned, still could be crowned, Louisiana Horse of the Year, ends up finishing third in the Champions Day Sprint. And then we move on to the, the 12th race, and the winner in here, no doubt about it, ours to run, sent away at 3-5, to five, pulled away at the 8th pole, another win for Gabriel Saez. And in the second spot was Ryan's pick, minute to start him, third, shake a P-Town. All right. Well, that is a look at what happened last week and some of the national news. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to be with my um, friend from the Jockeys Guild, Jeff Johnston. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a man that's been a guest many times here on Winning Ponies. Uh, I used to uh, watch him uh, as one of the leading jockeys in the Midwest, and then I got to be real good friends with, with him and his wife, JoLynn, over the years, Jeff Johnston. Jeff, I, I know that you always used to have a really nice Kentucky smoker outside on your patio, but I understand you had an indoor Kentucky smoker. 
uh, smoker while you were at the assembly. Yeah, unfortunately, our house uh, had a small fire while I was at the assembly in Las Vegas, and my wife and the fire department had to uh, come and save the animals and everything. But fortunately, everybody's fine, uh, minimal damage. If I can put a shout out to anybody that doesn't have a alarm system that's tied to their smoke alarm, uh, it's recommended to get one. It probably saved our house and possibly some of the family members. So, uh, you know, it went off. They alerted the fire department. They came. They beat us here and was able to get um, were able to get everything put out before any major damage was done. So, thank you, Bates Security, and uh, the fire the local fire department. Feel free to give them a good plug. You have a beautiful home, and I'm glad it, it was minimal. I know that it's going to take a while to get that smoke smell out of there, and uh, you, you, I understand it's not going to be too hard to clean up what's down in the basement. So very happy for, for you guys, Jeff. And uh, one, one more shout-out to Bait Security. Remember to hook up your fire system to it because the firemen beat uh, Joe Lynn back to the house, a house which, by the way, is about an eighth of a mile off the main road. So it's not like a neighbor could look into your window and go, oh, it looks like there's a fire there. I better call somebody. So that's that's good news. Uh, give me some uh, good news from Las Vegas, Nevada. How did the uh, as- assembly go this year, Jeff? Uh, you know, it, it went very well. We, we, we made um, some of the speeches a little shorter, tried to tie more fun into it. We had a great night. We had the assembly at the top golf facility there located next to the MGM Grand. Um, which was an excellent meeting facility, and then we tied in the, the cocktail hour after the first day's meetings um, with the top golf. There's a bull machine there, and I a uh, shout out to Tenkai Junior. Uh, what is he, seventy something now? Rode the bull longer than I did, uh, and had great <laughs> form with a smile on his face. His son, Lafitte Tenkai the Third, was one of our guest speakers and hosts. Um, on Tuesday for the awards luncheon, and he said on Tuesday, he's like, you know, this man is incredible. I can't do anything better than him, including riding the, the mechanical bull. So uh, Lafitte still got it, and all of you fans out there, um, he is still quite the man. Uh, I'll never forget one time he came into town to ride, and I went into the jocks room to do some interviews or something like that, and I saw him with a shirt off, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this guy a, a- professional weightlifter i mean i've seen a lot of jockeys jeff this guy was chiseled when he was riding i'm sure he's probably kept himself in pretty good shape he still is he was swinging the golf club he's riding the bull you know mike smith is known for his workout regimen as um you know gave credit to lafitte for how he handles his workouts now so you know both of them were there um still look great still you know loving what they do and great um great representatives of our, of our jockeys. Uh, absolutely. And and his son, uh, Lafitte Third, boy, is he smooth with a microphone. He is. He is um, a regular regular guy, junior, I guess. So he's uh, <laughs> following in your footsteps. He does a great job. He does a great MC for us. Um, and, you know, he had some wonderful things to say about our speakers. He sat through the meetings on Monday. We had some speakers talking about um, depression and guys, the guys that are, you know, they, they run into career-ending injuries or um, weight issues or whatever that takes them away from the sport. We had a guy from the NFL who 
had uh, been a second-round draft pick, worked in the NFL for 10 years, starter, and at the end of the, the year, you know, a, a new coach came in and basically said, we don't need you next year. You know, out of the blue, comes in, his career is over, doesn't know what he's going to do, had been on pain medications to get through the last four or five seasons just to go out and work every day. Uh, and now he works with, um, you know, the military, the ex-professional ex, uh, sports athletes um, that are having kind of this, the same career issues. Um, and we've got, thanks to the Stronic Group, some help putting some of our riders who get severely injured or depression issues to go through these programs after the impact um, and help them transition into or out of their career into a new one. So uh, a great speaker there. Um, we had people from the University of Kentucky with their Sports Medicine Research Institute, which if, if you've never been down there, you need to go because it's fabulous. It's state-of-the-art. It's not just for, they're working in the jockeys, but it's not just for jockeys. It's all equestrian. What they're trying to do is be the center of um, equestrian research. So um, injuries, um, fitness, nutrition, um, you know, so not just us, but the hunter-jumpers, the, the different athletes, all the equestrian sports. They come in there, they can get evaluated. They've got um, mechanical instruments that can measure, you know, heart rate, physical ability, get on. Uh, um, they've done some of the stuff with the riding school, the North, Matic, or North American Riding Racing Academy. So they've yes. had the kids in there, the young kids coming up and taking their stats and taking their vitals and seeing how much uh, energy and and uh, fitness it takes to ride these things. Now this year they want to bring when Keeneland starts, bring some of the professional riders in and compare the two, so the young young kids know exactly what they need to do to reach that elite status. So some some really interesting stuff. Jeff, rewind that a little bit. The name of that program and, and where it is. It's the sports. Sports Medicine Research Institute. It's, a, it's part of the University of Kentucky's um, sports school. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I, I know that you, uh, he's been a guest on the show before, Dr. Carl Matacola. Um, and, you know, he's been doing a lot of things about monitoring uh, injuries, I believe mostly head injuries to jockeys. Has there been any more strides in that research or uh, any discoveries, any equipment changes, things like that? He was a great guest. Yeah, and, and that's, he's the head of, well, he's not head of the department, but he's kind of head of the the, the initiative to, to get the, the sports. You know, he was a, a rider. Um, he understands the sport. He understands all the equestrian activities. He understands the athlete the, as, as he's worked as a physical trainer in, you know, football and soccer and all these other things. So he's he's really a great guy. Um, they have one of the only two. There's a special mechanical. It, it, it's basically a horse. I rode one when I visited Ireland this year. I went to the jockey school over in Ireland. It's the only other place I've seen one, but it's a, a mechanical horse that you can hook up. And I don't know, uh, uh, Frankie Lovato makes the um, Equisizer. Yeah. This is like an Equisizer on steroids. <laughs> this thing goes not only 
forward, up and down, but also has a balance issue. So if you don't keep your balance, this thing will throw you to the side. Plus really? you can speed it up, slow it, slow it down. It measures your heart rate. You can, when you hit it with a, a riding crop, it measures the force. Um, it can actually pull on you. You can make the horse go go faster and pull it. So you have to pull so it can measure how hard you're pulling against the reins. It's an unbelievable machine. So I, I know he showed a video of Donna Barton Brothers on it uh, in high heels. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, you know, she said the same thing. It's a, it's an incredible instrument just to measure a, a jockey's ability and show somebody who isn't a jockey how much, uh, you know, actual fitness you require to ride one of these animals. I know, I know a few sports talk guys I want to take down down there that say that uh, you know jockeys aren't really athletes it's all the horse it's like oh yeah let me just see a gallop one <laughs> even alongside a pony and when you come off that thing your legs will be shutter and i can guarantee you that um make, make sure you get a youtube video i want to see it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah for any of those uh those those ex-jocks that say you guys aren't uh, athletes uh, i i dare them uh so yeah I, i'm glad i got that i'm gonna have to get the contacts and, and the address from you um you, you know there was one section in there that i think is really important as a guy that uh you know interview jockeys and, and promotes racing and that's how jockeys need to open themselves up to us and uh, really tell the story since the horse can. And I understand that there was a panel called Carrying on the Tradition of Jockey Leadership in Racing. Can you synopsize that one? Well, they touched on a lot of topics, and we had some great guests. There were John Velasquez, Javier Castellano, Mike Smith, G.R. Carter, uh, Joel Campbell were on it, the Ricky Ramirez were on the panel, and Lafitte asked them each, most of them, the same questions to get their get their perspectives. But one of the most interesting questions was, you know, who's going to follow in your footsteps? You've got Gr Carter, who's who's retiring this year, and John Velasquez has said that you know he doesn't know how long how much longer he's going to ride. You know, Mike Smith has has done everything in racing. One would expect that. You know, he he may be may not race too much longer. But who's going to carry on the tradition of uh, leadership? You know, you've got the young riders, the you know, Ortiz brothers, Manny Franco, um, Drayton Van Dyke. You know, all these great riders, but they're really busy with their career, which is great. But still, there's issues. You know, we have the same issues we're facing now as jockeys that we face in the 1940s was the, when the guild was established. You know, it's mount fees, it's safety, it's safety equipment, it's the uh, um, pre-race exams, it's, uh, you know, making sure that everybody's safe, that we have ambulances, that we have proper insurance um, during racing, so when you get injured, you're taken care of, and you don't lose everything you've worked so hard for. So who, in, you know, who of these young kids is going to step up? And, and what does it require? You know, do, do they have to, does it take a lot of time? You know, are they going to, do they get, you know, hurt by putting their face as one, you know, the face of of change or or progressive um, insurance or motion, you know, what are we going to do moving forward, basically? So, you know, these guys were saying, using their insight to say what we need to do moving forward, the issues that are most important to, to all jockeys, 
and you know maybe who's going to step up and, and take the reins. I mean, it's a great concept. I'm not sure who came up uh, with the idea for that panel, Jeff Johnston, but I, I think it's an absolutely great one because uh, it, it is so important. And all the people you named have been very good to us in the media as far as making uh, themselves available. Uh, but they've been good on camera. They're, they emote very well. And I, I think that's got to be a learned thing because like you said, those other kids, you know, the Drayden Van Dykes and maybe Flavian Pratt and, you know, the Ortiz brothers, they, they are honing their craft as talented as they are. They are more focused on the horse than the big picture of, wow, now the cameras are coming to me. How do I handle it? You know, win, lose, or draw. I, I just thought that was an outstanding uh, panel. Well, Jeff, uh, my Producers telling me I've got I I've got to head home. I just uh, want to once again to, for you and, and Joe and uh, you know your animals, uh, your son. I'm glad everybody's okay from the fire. And uh, uh, let me know when the smoke clears, and then I'll come and visit. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We've been talking to Jeff Johnston, one of the regional directors of the Jockeys Guild. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to a, an uh, ex-rider also uh, who's got quite a lot of experience in the world of horse racing. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, glad you're back, and I'm looking forward to this next interview. You know, whenever people say to me, John, what is it that people need to do to keep racing, uh, you know, in people's minds and to move this 
for the sport forward and you know to, to get new people to come to the races i always no matter what room i'm in say we need to be ambassadors of the sport each one of us need to get personally involved in the sport bring somebody to the races if you can get somebody to the races see if you can make enough contacts or you have like to get them on the back stretch you know maybe to get them in the jocks room to have them meet some of the personalities in racing and i'll tell you it's very easy to get hooked on this sport and uh so while I tell people to be an ambassador of sport, right now we're going to talk to an ambassador of the sport, and that's Abigail <laughs> Fuller. Now, you may have heard Abigail Fuller's, or Abby, as I believe she's kindly referred to now, um, on many levels of the game. Uh, her father, Peter Fuller, won the Kentucky Derby aboard Dancer's Image, and I uh, say you should read Milton Toby's book about uh that whole situation because it never would have happened in this day and age and then along came a horse by the name of mom's command and while abigail fuller wears many hats concerned with horses she got to wear one of the most rare hats in the world and that's the triple tiara aboard mom's command it was back in 1985 abby welcome to winning ponies Oh, great to be here, John. I'm I'm happy to talk to you, and sounds like you've had an interesting discussion all night. But yeah, that was a, a, a great hat to wear with Mom's command. She was super. I just got to tell you, so my dad was not a board dancer's image, but he did breed him as he bred Mom's command. So he was the owner and breeder of, of both those horses. I'm sorry. I thought that's what I said. I... I, I... You Excuse said me. That, that he was aboard because I wasn't aboard because I was nine. So, I, <laughs> But that I, is how I got hooked in horse racing for sure. I've seen photos of you in the winner's circle when you were nine years old. Uh, so I've been doing my research on you. Well, let's go back a little bit to your riding career. Uh, you were one of those uh, women that were just kind of on the cutting edge coming in. It was becoming acceptable to some degree uh, that a goyle would be allowed to ride horses I- I- at the races. Uh, did you run into any roadblocks back in 85 or the mid-80s? Well, sure. I mean, I, I rode my first race in 82. And, um, you know, when I spent, uh, let's see, I guess 80, I was down in Ocala. A couple of years I spent in Ocala, um, you know, starting back in the day we called it breaking the young horses but um and and the, the trainer the first trainer that I worked for told me I would absolutely not make it uh as a writer, as a jockey and um so he was wrong but anyway um yeah it was you know I was in New England New England was one of those places as I think um kind of where you were the river and the kind of the the midwest and the New England, Jersey, uh, Delaware, where if you worked hard as a girl, and it was a girl, <laughs> you got a shot. Because you could work your way up, you could work your way in, you could gallop horses, you know, for free for the opportunity to ride them. And I guess there's probably some people that didn't really know me or weren't in New England that might think, oh, well, gee, your dad just put her on all his horses. But that didn't happen. I actually, um, you know, worked, worked hard and pretty much like everybody, lost some mounts that, you know, they didn't feel like I was ready to win a race yet. So, yeah, it, it was great, though. I, lo- I loved being a jockey. 
I mean, you know, I mean, th- this thing could be a movie script. I mean, you know, a horse that your father bred, and then you ride her to the rare uh, triple tier, I believe they called it at the time. They've they've messed around so much with the schedule, I don't even know if there is one anymore. Uh, and Mom's well, Command yeah. was uh, a, almost a ruffian of her day. Yeah, yeah, I mean... The, when she when she won it, it was still called the Philly Triple Crown. The coach in Club Oaks was still a mile and a half. So she won everything from five-eighths to a mile and a half. She never ran in anything but a stake race. And Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So her first race was a stake at, at Rockingham, where I actually didn't get to ride her because I was on Dave. <laughs> so my my friend um, Benny Carrasco rode her. She won. She came back at Suffolk in a in a two year old Philly stake, and I I got to ride her. She won, and then we went to New York, and she won uh, in a stake. And then um, uh, was she nine for eleven? Maybe as a two year old, she was definitely nine for eleven as a three year old, and had two seconds. Um, one was shortening back up in the test after the mile and a half coaching club before she won the Alabama. And, um, yeah, so she, I mean, she was, she was for sure the a horse of a lifetime, certainly for, for me, for a girl <laughs> to get to ride her. And, you know, yeah. Was, wow. Mm. <laughs> it is. It, it's just great. It's like <laughs> I could just see this being a a, a great movie. Um, well, you know what, what's fantastic is, and Abby, your enthusiasm comes over the airwaves. I can tell you that, or the telephone. We had a great <laughs> talk. With a big grin on my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just fantastic that that people like you uh, get to maintain their contact with the, with the equine industry. So take us from when you decided that riding on a day to day basis, uh, you know, had had played its course in your life, and where you went from there, and how you got to where you are. Yeah, so um, I did actually, uh, I had my, my son, my, my oldest, um, George Fuller Vargas. He was a jockey for a little while, but uh, was pretty much already outgrowing it. He just loved it. Um, but he's uh, a trainer now, and he's up in Ocala with a couple of my grandbabies. Um, wow. But he, yeah, I know. I'm coming on 40 years pretty much in the business now i kind of can't believe it but um but yeah i so i had him i always knew i would go back to riding even back in that day which was a little bit different you know there was a few of us around um and but i ended up riding i did come back riding um i had a spill uh when my son was about three and i i broke t2 um so I was out for well, whatever it was, three three months or so, and I probably pushed riding back again a little too quickly. And I did ride. I won a race, and then I said, ah, I'm, "I'm I'm done." And I thought I was done for good. And I ended up working for Suffolk Downs, still galloping, um, and uh, actually ended up working for, and then. Um, 
uh, my former husband, Mike Catalano, was a trainer up in New England. I, I ended up galloping for him, working for Suffolk Downs, doing kind of the paddock um, picks and handicapping seminars. And uh, if guests came, uh, talking to kids, um, and that all really kind of happened organically with, you know, a Chip Tuttle was up there. Um, yeah. Lou Raffetto and, and um, Nicholson right, and kind of met, yeah, met those guys and it was great. We had hit it off and they're like, yeah, you want to work here? I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is cool. So I, I learned a different, a different piece of it and kind of being on the other side of publicity and then ended up kind of picking up and riding more and more. But actually on a few days would even do the paddock if I just rode late and then go and ride and Gosh, it was so fun. They were so great. I think the fans got a kick out of it. Um, and I really just rode for either my dad or, or Mike as trainer. Um, he had a bunch, like 30 horses. So it, it, it was so much fun. Um, and need to just, I really knew the horses that I was riding. I didn't have an age. And it was kind of different than when you're a, a jockey and really getting going. I ended up having two more uh Children, my two daughters are, uh, so George is 32 and Marissa's 23 and Michaela's 18. So, yeah, seems wild. So, you know, that was, I had great in-laws who um, took a lot of care of the kids. Otherwise, it would have been impossible. But um, I loved New England. Um, it was a, a great place to, for, you know, it's amazing that it's all gone. But yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I've been to the Barrington Fair, the Great Barrington Fair, you know. Uh, and, so uh, I rode at um, where, where I rode at not Great Barrington. I rode at Northampton. Almost broke my maiden there, but they took me all over the track as a little bud girl. And I told the the trainer, I said, "Yeah, I I can't come back here." And about a week later, luckily at Suffolk, I ended up winning my first, and then kind of just really got going but those are wild places those fairs were yeah right i don't know if any of them are even around anymore i mean there's still fair circuits all over the country but i'm not i right. don't think great barrington is i don't think it exists no. anymore nope but uh, it was an interesting place i think we went from like saratoga over there it was a dark day at saratoga so we went over to great barrington and it was just it was kind of neat it was the you know kind of a festival for anybody that's uh, ever taken time out of their life to do the trotting circuit the delaware county fair where they have a little brown jug is very similar because there really is a fair going on but there's racing right. going on around a bull ring so it's interesting sure, well the wheel with the, yeah the three-eighths pole or whatever for sure and, it, and it's a different thing but it's kind of um you know that that other other view of racing or the other end to interesting to go from saratoga and, and it's beautiful country there too yes. for sure great barrington's gorgeous yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I grew up in uh, Eastern New York, so uh, we you know okay. we made many many a trip either to uh, Saratoga or Stockbridge, Mass. Uh, yep. I just ac- accidentally met Norman Rockwell one time walking down the street. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that, cool. that, that's a story in its own right. To, it was really cool. I bet. For sure, <laughs> my my dad and I used to make the drive from from the New Hampshire Key. Seacoast, where, where um, you know, that's where he lived, and we would drive up to Saratoga for, 
road. It was just a couple hours and beautiful drive. And yeah, a lot of good times. Absolutely. So now, the, the, you are you permanent uh, Florida resident now? Right. So I I live in Florida now. I am. I go up to New England, of course, as much as I can in the summer, which isn't quite enough because um, it's still amazing and pretty hot here in Florida in the summer. But but it, it's all right. It's it. You kind of get used to it. You're. I guess your blood thins out a little. I still love the cold days down here. But, yeah, I work for Gulfstream even in the summer. And then I, I work for um, another place, uh, a place called Stable Place, that is equine-assisted therapy that I'm absolutely loving. Um, in that, I'm an equine specialist, and I, I got PATH certified, which is a international organization, professional association of therapeutic horsemanship and I, I really really love that some off-track thoroughbreds we work with and um yeah it's a, a whole different other um i keep learning new stuff <laughs> well i know we we talked about this uh, the other day and so i did at the top of the show i wasn't sure if you were working towards your certification but you do have it now yes yeah i've had it um i first kind of heard about Kind of the equine therapy, or um, there's a, a thing called Epona, and then I got first certified in equine guided education, which would be kind of like a, a coaching, life coaching type of. And then the work I do now as an equine specialist, I am alongside a a trained um, mental health professional, and then our clients can vary from, you know, uh, corporate team uh, leadership to foster youth to addiction facilities um, it it is I can't even you know I loved being a jockey I always thought it would be absolutely the greatest job I ever would have and um, this is really like another new challenge and kind of a really different way of relating with horses they are are equals and kind of our partners and they they were certainly in racing but this is this is a little different um for sure well i'm aware of what you do for our audience just tell them uh, you know what physically you do what 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 is going on uh when you get there what you know as far as the interaction between the horse and the person whether it be a uh, a veteran coming back from uh uh from Iraq or for just be somebody that's uh, dealing with uh, somewhat of a mental anxiety issue. What is it you do as far as introducing to the horse and how far do they go with the horse? Do they ride it? Do they guide it? Tell us. Yeah, great. So there's some great programs, including, um, you know, Saratoga War Horse. Uh, that's a, a different program, but I don't think they work alongside um, at least that right in the session with mental health professionals. We literally, the person comes and, um, you know, Stable Place is a 501c3. They're in Davie, Florida. Got a Facebook page and everything. But people come, we are affiliated with Nova Southeastern University. That's where um, Dr. Green, who is uh, one of the founders of Stable Place, she teaches. She's a professor, so she created a, a teaching course at Nova for mental health, uh, you know, p- 
people becoming therapists. So that's how it kind of, how it first started was for the class. So they do a semester, there's an intro class for a semester, and then there's advanced if they want to go on. Well, now the people did the advanced and they started saying, well, let's, you know, let's use this within our clinic. Um, They have a brief therapy institute. So clients started coming and it is all on the ground. So I'm not... I'm familiar with the therapeutic riding and, and lessons, and I used to teach, you know, riding to kids, but this is all on the ground, and it becomes metaphors for life. Uh, we always say horses never lie, um, and they kind of reflect back. I don't, I don't say they're purely a mirror because they have their own um, horsenalities, so they bring something <laughs> to the equation, <laughs> and and we'll we'll work with different ones, kind of depending on the clients too. Is especially as we get to know them, maybe one will be a little more challenging, or if it's smaller, like like kids, or then we have a, a little um, couple little Arabs that are, you know, real cute, and and the horses like this work, but it is it is work. They are actually, you know, they're interacting. Um, what we do is they always have a choice. They have a choice to kind of disengage. Um, so it's uh, for us ESs, we kind of maybe unlearn a little bit of horsemanship. So that's an interesting thing of, you know, not strict uh, rules as there would be in, well, racing we kind of also, the, the horses definitely, you let them have some leeway, especially as far as if they're feeling good and, you know, you're not, you're not right on them. You're letting them have their their personality. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is amazing because uh, over my years, I've had the opportunity to uh, bring some people to the backstretch, uh, several in wheelchairs, and you know, yeah, the trainers are good about giving me a heads up. But it's amazing how the horses have a sense when they're around, uh, perhaps a. Uh, down syndrome child or uh, someone who is wheelchair bound and all of a sudden they just exude this kindness uh, that they wouldn't with me <laughs> but with 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 it some of these amazing yeah, yeah, when they see somebody suffering, it seems as if they have this sixth sense of, oh, this is someone I need to be especially kind to, and they do it absolutely and and you know in in the world they are prey animals so their their instinct and their senses are are all about you know how they survive and so that really comes into play with clients and and um you know one of the things when you kind of start studying this stuff is the horses a herd of wild horses they've got to know if that wolf going by at the end of the field if he's hungry or not they can't run every single time there's a wolf so their instincts come into play as to you know when they need to kind of react or whatever so yeah yeah i I absolutely um just keep learning and, and loving this work too 
All right, well, we're talking to Abigail Fuller, who's had a full life. I've probably only got a couple <laughs> minutes left, but can you reflect on any of the uh, – you're really kicking off the meat pretty well here with uh, your race yeah. program on, on Saturday. Uh, you're bringing in uh, uh, one of the rising stars of racing who kind of hit the sidelines uh, with Audible in the Harlan's Holiday, the grade three. I mean, this horse uh, won your uh, Holy Bull, your Florida Derby, finished third in the Kentucky Derby, and then – Obviously, got a little hitch in his get-along and didn't come back until November when he did win a stake. So, uh, you know, he's going to be one of the highlights of the show. Anybody else we should be watching out for on the card? Sure. I mean, he, he's definitely, you know, I, I think he'll be the solid, solid favorite in there. But, you know, there's 600,000 in purses on the it's 11 race program, as most of the Saturdays are. Uh, the 200000 Dollar Fort Lauderdale. That's a grade two, and um, you know for three year olds and up, mile and an eighth on the turf. And of course, some of those horses are going to be looking towards the um, Pegasus turf because now they've divided that up, where we'll have the nine million Pegasus dirt, and then the other money shifting to a Pegasus turf. Which I, I like that. I think um, you know it makes it more fun to have a couple of different. Uh, each weekend, like you said, so far we had we started with Claiming Crown, which I love because, of course, from New England, that's those guys they carry the load, you know, the the claiming horses, and we had thirteen horse fields for each of those um, races. That was super. Last weekend was Caribbean Classic, which was super exciting. But, um, yes, hey, you know, real quick, Abby, because I'm running oh, out of time. Yeah. The Caribbean Classic. Sure. Tell us about this super horse from Mexico. Yeah, cool, cool, cool can. Um, you know, he came and I, I had a neat guest for my breakfast. I, I do the breakfast too on Saturdays. And, um, uh, Joe, oh, yeah, I knew I would do that. Um, Joe Bruno, he's from Puerto Rico and he follows all the, um, Caribbean horses, Latin America and, you know, Argentina. And he told us, he said, my heart will be with the Puerto Rican horse, but the Mexican horse, Cool Cool Can, he said, I've watched him run. He's 13 for 13, and he became 14 for 14 on uh, Caribbean Classic Day. So he he was really, you know, it was impressive uh, that Philly Hala Hala came back and won again. She had won the Caribbean Classic the year before, as a filly against the boys, three-year-old, she came back and, and won the filly race. So, yeah, each Saturday, just, I mean, you know, this weekend with the, the five stakes and, you know, grade two back, um, you know, our first graded races are, are this weekend. So definitely going to be um, looking forward to this weekend as well. All right. Well, I will be because I have my uh, my program in front of me. And like I said, uh, outside of Audible, I've I've looked at your other races. Uh, you, you know, the Rampart, the Sugar Swirl, yep. the Fort Lauderdale, and I'm not naming them all. They are very competitive, and there's going to be some nice race action for our fans out there that tune in to uh, uh, get the inside track on the on the handicapping edge. So, Abigail Fuller, I got to have you back on. I might have you on for the full hour and just let let it go. Uh, but I thank sure, you so much for being we on with to me. Digress. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We, we I mean, digress, we, John. And listen, if you come to Florida, you have to come be my guest at the breakfast for sure. 
I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, there's a good chance awesome. I could get down there this year. Well, listen, I got to sign off. Abigail Fuller, thanks a million for being with us on Winning Ponies. Anytime. Great to be here. Thanks, John. All right. Well, that was exciting. She was really a ray of sunshine. And I want to thank uh, Jeff Johnson for being with us and catching us up on the Jockeys Guild Assembly. As I stated, outstanding racing and competitive racing at Gulfstream Park. Come on over. Get your easy win forms at winningponies.com. I want to thank our guests. And, of course, I want to thank Josh, by gosh, my producer, for keeping me in line. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.